This is the Squared Goal Podcast with Mark Morris and Jared Meruyama. Welcome to another episode of the Squared Co. Podcast. I am your host, Mark Morris, and Jared Mariyama is also yes. joining me tonight. We've got to we've got to figure out how to do that intro. <laughs> uh, I, you know, for me, I just love messing with you. I know. I know you. You're on the edge of your seat and having no idea where I'm going to take it. Exactly. Um, but I. We, so this is a replay episode. Um, I know we've mentioned this every single time that we do one of these, but for some reason, episodes one through, I think it was 18, mm-hmm. do not show up on our iTunes. So we want to make sure that those earlier episodes that we had with guests get the opportunity to um, go on iTunes so you can listen to it through iTunes. I think most people now that are listening to the podcast are doing it through iTunes. So it would just be an easier way for you guys to listen to like our back catalog, if you will. But anyways, this is the episode. This is episode number two with Mike Anderson. Um, and this was <laughs> this was done a long time ago. So I, we've also told this story uh, several times. We started recording this podcast, I think, in April mm-hmm. of 2017. And we didn't start releasing episodes until like mid to late June. So it was like three, two or three months between our first records before we actually got them up um, and released. Right. And we did these, um, we uploaded them out of order, I think. So I think Jared Andrew Shore was our first one that we uh, posted. Uh, But these are Mm -hmm. uh, some of the ones we recorded before that. And you will be able to tell the minute you start listening to this (laughs) because (laughs) while we're not great now we're better than we were then and uh you know these guys are really nice and and um we wanted to start with people we were comfortable with so this was a good way to sort of um you know test out how this was going to go right yeah and i think for these earlier ones we you know to a certain degree we're still learning how like what our format is and how each episode is going to get played out Um, but this was, yeah, this was an earlier phase and I think we both didn't really know which direction we were going to take the podcast and what we wanted to talk about. So there's a lot of learning going on. Um, but the, you know, there's still some good content in there and Mike, he's a really, he's a great artist. If you aren't already following him, be sure to check him out. We'll again, leave show notes to his stuff in here. Um, but without rambling too much further, let's go ahead and have you guys, Listen to episode number two for the Squared Co. podcast featuring Mike Anderson. Enjoy. We actually have a, a guest today. His name is Mike. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm like giggling over here now. Uh, Mike Anderson. What's going on, Mike? Hey, not much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no worries. Um, so as Jared was saying, you might have some input on the matter because I know that you are a horror fan. I don't know if... Would you consider a- the Aliens franchise a horror film? I, I would consider the first movie a horror film. I think the second yeah. one is a little more like an action 
yeah. then they get a little more like mm-hmm. sci-fi. I, th- I mean, I guess technically they're all considered sci-fi movies, but um, I- I've heard the first one described as a haunted house movie, but with an alien. Now, have you seen the films? Uh, I have seen yeah. one and two. Um, I haven't seen any of the, the later ones. Okay. Uh, well, so what's I, your, I saw, your favorite of the ones you've seen? Uh, uh, gosh, probably the first one. Um, I didn't used to like it. I liked the second one a little bit uh, better, but I, I gained a bit more of appreciation for the first one just because of how atmospheric it is. And Oh, yeah. And can you imagine seeing that without knowing the history of this creature, like to see that thing like that would yeah, be amazing. No, I mean that, for the first movie. that final scene, like uh, with, you know, uh, Sigourney and the alien and that little, little space pod, that was just too much for me when I oh, first saw it. I mean, yeah. cause not only is she fighting this, this giant alien, you have to deal with the, the, uh, being claustrophobic too. Cause yeah. it's such a tight space. Exactly. So it's like an added level of, suspense on yeah. there too what i love about it is like yeah. it's not like a jump scare either it's like you very subtly like see that this thing is in there with her right it's so creepy right. yeah yeah i think that first film is all atmosphere the second one i mean now like as i've gotten older it's it's a lot cartoonier mm-hmm. than i remembered when i first saw it yeah. uh, it's still fun and like the the basic story there is is great but uh yeah that first one i don't think you can beat that first one with like creepiness and like that was the scarier i think of, of actually of all of them probably yeah i i feel like the first alien and the second alien are kind of like the same thing as the first terminator and the second terminator yeah well there you go right that's <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, I kind of mentioned that, I mean, actually, I just said that you're a horror fan, but you actually have a podcast yeah. that deals with horror. I mean, you are, you are to say the least, a very, very busy man. <laughs> I know. So we're going to talk to you primarily about your illustration, mm-hmm. but you actually have a day job. Then you yes. do freelance illustration. Yes. You run a podcast. Yeah. You're a family man. Uh-huh. I mean, that's a lot of hats to be worn for a single individual. Yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm just working towards that first heart attack, you know. <laughs> How's that working out for you? <laughs> I feel it coming on pretty pretty soon. Uh, well, let's hope not. Um, but so I kind of I mentioned you have a day job. What is your day job specifically? I mean, I'm not even t- totally sure if I know what it is, but I'm I'm confident it's um. It's creative, and I want to say mm-hmm. that it's something like, uh, like vid- not video, but I don't know, I'll, I'll let you answer the question. No. What do you do? What's your day job? I'm, I'm a barista at Barnes & Noble. Uh, no. <laughs> um, I, I, I work for an advertising agency in Oklahoma City, okay. and I do uh, motion graphics, so I do primarily an- that's, animation. That's the word I was looking yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've only been there for about two years. I think Actually, last week was my two-year anniversary there. Um, but before that, I worked for um, a different ad agency for about six years. But I did everything there. I did everything from illustration to print design, motion graphics. Um, our big. So, talk to me a little bit about that transition. I mean, so you went before your first agency. Was that your first agency job? The one before this? Yes. So you were kind of had your hands on everything Mm -hmm. and now you're just doing primarily motion graphics, motion design. Do you, is that, 
was that by choice? Is that the thing that you are the best at or you have the most enjoyment on? It's, uh, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I don't know a whole lot about it. Um, it, 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 it kind of keeps it interesting. Um, whereas at my last job, I was doing so much of everything that it was really overwhelming. And, um, I, when I left that job, I actually left to do, um, a freelance career and I did that, I did that for about six months, but then once we got pregnant, I realized I needed to get a real job. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) yeah, that can be kind of scary. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I just kind of started looking around at different places and, um, towards the end of my time at the first agency, I had started dabbling in motion graphics and it was something that I definitely had a lot of interest in. And I felt like I was good enough that, uh, if a place was looking for a motion graphics designer, I could probably hold my own there. Um, but Mm -hmm. there's definitely been times at this job where I just have no idea how to do something, but that's part of the fun really (laughs) is kind of figuring out how to do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's a great way to grow too, is exactly a lot of the jobs and projects that I've gotten myself into, it's, I say yes, not knowing if I can do it or not. And then it's like, oh shit, can I really do this? And you got to kind of, I mean, that's, in my opinion, I think that's when you do the most growing is you dump in the, you you dump, you jump in the (laughs) deep end and then figure out how to swim. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, so I, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it's like, you know, three, four weeks of complete anxiety and then once you're done you're like well that wasn't so bad yeah i've never actually worked for an agency though so like my my uh, concept of advertising agencies are like basically mad men and don draper (laughs) and things like that what's it like (laughs) i wish it was that cool (laughs) yeah so what is it like working at an agency like is it a fairly large agency that you're at now yeah actually the one i'm at now we've got about 70 people working there um but the one i was at before we only had about 14 um, so mm. which is why you had so many roles exactly yeah so so yeah. working here everybody has their own specialty and um it i i re- the only thing that i have to compare it to is freelancing for myself where i did you know i got to choose the projects that i wanted to work on and it was, sure. it was all stuff that i really want to do whereas working at an agency you can find ways to make each project fun. Um, but for the most part, you know, we're doing stuff for like nonprofits and one of our biggest mm. clients uh, is a uh, T set of Oklahoma, which do a lot of like anti-smoking and um, anti-drug commercials and TV spots and stuff like that. So it's like, it's not necessarily fun. It's not like comic books where, you know, my passion lies or anything, but mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can find ways to make them fun. Uh, one of our clients is um, Public Service of Oklahoma, and they just did a video about how um, you can save money by switching off um, your electrical appliances at certain times of the day. But they did it. Right. They did it centered. Juicy. Yeah. <laughs> they did it centered around this comic book character, this superhero that's like flying around his office okay. building. And so that oh. was fun. The content wasn't necessarily fun, but, you know. The- so they're trying to, you know, bring some boring content potentially and just spice it up so it's a little bit more. Yeah. Easily digestible. Exactly. Like Captain Planet or exactly, something. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So it sounds like you're on par with creating the next Captain Planet, but a, a local Oklahoma version. Man, that's the dream. So I heard you say that you are 
interested in comics? Is that something that you want to pursue a, a career in comics perhaps? Yeah, man, I would love to like, that's kind of my 2017 goal is like getting mm-hmm. something out there, you know, getting seen by somebody or something. I don't know. Um, I'm actually working with a couple friends on our own, like independent comic book and we're going to try and pitch it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. We're going to try and pitch it to, uh, image comics cause they're very receptive of creator owned mm-hmm. projects and, um, hopefully something yeah. will come from that. So I actually um, internshiped at a comic book publisher in L.A. called Boom Studios. Yes. And I know that they, I don't know if they're like this anymore, but originally it was very close to Image's business model where it's very um, owner, I don't know the term, but like it, all their comics were produced um, and pitched by individual creators. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I think Image uses like creator-owned comics or something like that is the term yeah but it's very similar um i know boom has had a lot more success since my days there where they've got the cartoon network titles Mm -hmm. Mm. um and i think they did a couple disney pixar series but um yeah yeah at the time that i was with them it was all very very small and uh like creator-owned comic books but i think what you your style i mean i didn't really talk about it yet but I started following you years ago and you definitely have a very comic book feeling style to your work. Little anime, a little anime in there too though. Yeah, I was just going to say that it's, manga it's, like a, or, yeah. it's a cross between traditional American comic books and then anime or manga, right. which is definitely a compliment. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's it well, makes that, sense that you're... Uh, that was weird. What was that? <laughs> was he supposed to assume that that wasn't a compliment? Or, or the... <laughs> I mean, you could have thought that it was just That's a so statement rude. or something. <laughs> well, what um, if what if Mike hates anime and he's like, "Oh God, why then would you say that?" Then there's something terribly wrong with his portfolio. If he hates anime. <laughs> what what is anime? Or just a, a yeah, huge coincidence. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's really cool to hear that. That's something that you're potentially pursuing i'd love to see some i mean that's a lot of work though oh if if, yeah if something actually (laughs) came of it i would definitely quit my day job (laughs) (laughs) yeah so what did what did you grow up reading mike like were there what were you a fan of as you when you were young oh god okay this is gonna sound horrible but actually i don't really read comic books um i just look at that makes total (laughs) sense yeah exactly i I can understand it's like the reverse of playboy you know like I just get it for the articles. <laughs> I just get these for the pictures. Like I would go into um, uh, Toys R Us when I was younger and they would have like these 10 packs of comic books for for like five bucks. And um, they were just random selection of comic books. So it's like you couldn't follow any story by picking these up. So I would right. literally just look at the pictures and try and redraw them. And I have no idea the stories or really I can't even remember any of the titles that I got. Yeah. Did you did you come to know the artist or it was just specific to each book that you happened to pick up? Yeah, surprisingly, Rob Liefeld was one of the huge artists of, of that time. So he his work was definitely in those multi packs a lot. So um, okay. I, w- I wouldn't say that I necessarily modeled my style after him, but he, right, he, right. he was kind of, you know, one of my first, you know, influences or gateways into comics, I guess you'd say. 
And so did you watch some anime as a, oh, sorry, Mark, but <laughs> did you no, watch, no, did you watch anime or, or manga stuff when you were growing? Well, not manga, but right. anime cartoons. I, I, I didn't really get into anime until early college. I'd say, I'd say, I'd say the first anime I ever saw was in high school and that was Akira. Um, okay. And, well, that's, but that's starting big. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, like I would watch Dragon Ball Z on Cartoon Network every afternoon in high school um so that was probably my introduction into into anime we could probably have a whole show about dragon ball z because i do not understand anything (laughs) that is happening i thought these were all separate characters i I didn't understand that they little guy turns into the big guy i don't know we could i did do you watch it mark have you watched no that's um so there's not that much anime that i'm into as far as series go i'm more of a studio ghibli fan as far as anime goes, snooty. So yeah, the, the Dragon Ball, f- Dragon Ball craze kind of went over my head. Yeah, it, it's amazingly complex. It was my ritual. <laughs> I believe after it. school, I'd come home and it would be on like, and because there the the show was already done in Japan, they would show like right. a new episode every single day. So y- you weren't getting like a, a weekly episode. So I mean, that was like my life after after school. <laughs> I miss those days when cartoon series had something every single day. Yeah. Now it's like once a week you get something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think we grew up in the, a similar era, 80s, 90s kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember his stupid shows like Mighty Max. Uh, I think they, <laughs> he had a date. Do you remember that show? I, I don't. I remember it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had, And the what were some other ones? I mean, I don't want to get go down this rabbit hole, but they had like daily episodes so every day after school you can pick up from the previous day yeah. um they don't do that anymore no did you watch star blazers that's a really old anime kind of made made for japan but then they translated into english and stuff that's an old one but it's really good like that one played like a soap opera when we were little like you had to watch it every day yeah. otherwise you'd be lost on the episode kind of cool that they would do that back then because you certainly don't see much of that now a little bit yeah but no, I'd Not never watched that one. I, I was oh, big into Thundercats when I was younger. <laughs> and I actually really credit that show with getting me into drawing and stuff. Um, huh. So were you into drawing? I mean, sounds like it from a young age. Have, is this is art been something that you've kind of constantly been doing your whole life? Yeah, um, I, I can remember, you know, when Thundercats was actually on TV, that opening animation um, I would just sit there and watch that over and over and over and it just mesmerized me and like obviously I couldn't animate so the only other thing I could do was just try and draw what I was seeing on on the screen and um, yeah I, I really credit that to um, getting me started but then you know all all growing up I mean my parents said I was like the easiest kid to shop for because they just buy me a ring of paper and some office supplies <laughs> and I yeah. was happy. I- yeah, are exactly. Gonna, are you going to try think... and f- force that upon your your son? Too? <laughs> uh, you know, possibly. Happy birthday! Here's some here's some crayons and a notebook. Yeah, <laughs> start drawing. <laughs> well, that's interesting because I think everybody draws uh, at some point when they're little, right? It's like it's who sticks with it after a certain age or mm-hmm. a certain point that, or like how I don't know. It's like there's this direct correlation now with like nerdy stuff like if you're obsessed with 
something nerdy, it somehow manifests itself in drawing, it seems like Star Wars or whatever, yeah. like cartoons and things like that. Yeah. And I actually don't tell a whole lot of people this, mostly because I've kind of blocked it from my memory. But um <laughs> <laughs> Well, no one's gonna be listening to this, so you can you can feel free to share. Well <laughs> I will I won't tell anybody. <laughs> back when I was probably around twelve or thirteen when I first started getting into comic books, um like I said, I would just really kind of look at the pictures and um, I'd want to recreate what I was seeing so badly that I would literally just trace panels Mm -hmm. and kind of modify them a little bit. And like, instead of Spider-Man, I turned him into Tiger Man. And um, I I would go show these uh, like people around like my parents and friends, these things that I've traced and they would think that I actually drew them. And I would never correct them. So it's almost like I had to kind of teach myself how to draw to keep up this facade. And uh, that's, that's I, I had an, <laughs> an actual interest in drawing. It's just that, you know, that kind of helped uh, propel it a little bit. I you think that's part to... of it, though. Like I, I had a they used to sell those little light boxes yeah. and they and it would come with all these sheets of the characters. Like I had a Disney one. And I did the exact same thing. So I'd make these like Christmas cards, but it would be a traced Mickey and Donald. Yeah. <laughs> I would just add like Christmas details to make it look like I drew it. And I'm like, I look at it now and I'm like, oh, surely you can tell I traced that. There's a different, you know, you can tell when things are traced. But yeah, yeah I, I did always feel sort of guilty about that. Like I was cheating and, and tricking people. Yeah, yeah. But it kind of teaches you how to draw, though, too. Like it. it you get a sense of the shape and oh absolutely that kind of that's that's necessarily yeah. one of the number one things i tell people when they ask you know what are some tips on learning to draw it's like you know there's nothing that's going to be practicing over and over and over but don't be afraid to trace something because i mean it really it, yeah. it's just practice for your hands i mean don't go around showing people that your tracing right. is and saying hey i drew this like i did but um <laughs> <laughs> but you know it, it, it's it's just like you know Riding a bike with training wheels. Yep, I agree. So, so did you know early on that art was something that you wanted to pursue as a career? Like, what at what point did you decide that, like, oh, man, I love drawing so much or art. I want to yeah. do this t- to some capacity for the rest of my life. See, I really didn't know because um, I'm, like, the only member of my family entire family like extended family that draws in any sort of way or does any sort of like art things i grew up in a very like sports oriented household and um so like they they (laughs) didn't know you know how to encourage me and like what directions i should be taking and neither did my teachers really either so it, it wasn't until like junior year of high school that um i wasn't necessarily doing very well in my classes except for my art classes and they they found this uh votech class that was essentially a graphic design class um uh back when like you still saved things on you know floppy disks and big zip drives or whatever and um, (laughs) um, but they were like you know there's sections of this class where you can draw and i really wanted to learn how to color things on the computer in photoshop and this was an opportunity to do that. But the class was also like you learn how to run a printing press and you learn how to do the photography side oh. of everything. So you learned everything in this class. But they were like, this is kind of where you go when you don't know what you want to do uh, or we don't know how to help you. And so <laughs> so I did that. And um, my teacher was actually going to um, 
get me a job or like an internship at this printing press place. And I was basically going to work in a warehouse. And I was like, I, I don't know what I want to do, but I know that's not it. And <laughs> so, um, my mom actually knew this guy that, uh, taught out in California, actually at, um, Cogswell Polytechnical School. And, uh, he was, he, he saw my, my work, just some of my loose drawings. And he was like, you know, you'd be a really good candidate for this school. And I was in line to go there for a long time, but, uh, financially we just couldn't make it happen. So I wound up just going to UCO, um, our local university. And, um, I was just going to like take some general ed classes there while we got the money together for me to go out to California. And, uh, it just never happened. So I just kind of got in their design program and their illustration program. And, uh, that's, that's really where I kind of learned, you know, what you can do professionally with, uh, an artistic talent or, um, that's, that's where I really learned the difference between being an artist and being an illustrator. And, Mm-hmm. Um, I, I found that I wasn't necessarily an artist. I, I had more illustration tendencies and because, you know, I wanted everything to be designed and, um, I wasn't just drawing just to really draw, um, or just, you know, create art in a way. Yeah. So when, when you were in school, um, I mean, looking at your work, I would guess that you were pretty good even in your earlier years were you able to get any sort of freelance work while you're still in school? Um, I think I may have gotten a couple jobs. It really didn't take off until um, I started working professionally because I had to do like an internship um, at the place that I actually started working at right out of college. And um, I just somehow made a lot of connections in the design community. The, the design community in Oklahoma City is very small and Mm -hmm. because of that it's very tight and close-knit and you kind of just know everybody excuse me and um um so I just kind of started making a lot of connections and people were like hey I think you'd be good for this job I'm gonna let this person get in contact with you so um that's really kind of when it started yeah do you remember your first freelance job or like the first job where you felt like you were important or somebody was actually looking for you for a specific project Yeah, um, for your, your talents? I think the one that let me know I could do this on my own, like let me know when I could have quit my first job was um, I got, um, I, the job didn't go through in the end, but um, I was optioned by this company over in London I forget the name of it, but they were like really big time. I looked through their portfolio and they had a lot of like stuff that I had actually seen on TV and they wanted me to do this like comic book style uh, illustration work for an animated TV spot that they were doing. And um, by that point, I was getting like freelance requests pretty much weekly Um, and like the year up to me quitting, I kept a log of just all of the illustrator freelance requests that I was getting. And, um, even if I didn't take them or they didn't go through, I would just write them down to let myself know like, okay. in in March I got, you know, 15 freelance requests and June it was, you know, 20 or July was only five. And, um, 
because because part of my fear was leaving my job and then nobody asks me to do anything so so what was this job that you had though at the time this was what were you doing uh when you were freelancing on on the side um it, it was anything from like uh illustrations for um like you know our local like marathon runs um mm-hmm. uh to I, I i don't think i had anything really major while i was still at my job um the first major project i ever did was uh for a subway commercial um but that was by the time i was doing freelance for myself um oh okay uh actually so was was this during your first uh when you're at your first agency yeah this all this was happening yeah, in the back yeah okay cool yeah and uh, I had to like keep it quiet because they, if they had known mm-hmm. that I was doing all that, yeah, I don't think I would have been working there as long as I was. Oh, that's unfortunate. I know that at least the agency where I'm at. I mean, I don't think that they would necessarily be excited if if we were doing that kind of work, especially if it was with a competitive um, or a competitor, mm-hmm. I guess. But yeah, I mean, I do freelance stuff in the background all the time and. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no real issues. I, How was that going to an agency at that time? Was that uh, intimidating? I mean, you were, I assume, relatively young, right? Going for that first agency? Yeah, it, it was it was a rather smooth transition because I um, I interned there um, while, while oh, I was okay. still in school. Like during your last semester at my university, you had to do an internship to get yeah. credit to graduate. And um, I sent out applications to like 12 different places and they were the only place that actually even got back to me and um it 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 was almost just like you know kismet it was like it meant to happen because one of their biggest clients was um the science museum of oklahoma and they had a very like kitty childlike aesthetic going on at the time and Mm -hmm. they kind of felt like i was really raw um, when I got out of college, like I, I refined my skills a lot while I was working there and they were like, we see the potential in this guy. Um, let's, you know, hire him on and just, just kind of see what we can do with him. Um, cause I, I didn't make like a whole lot of money when I first started working there. Um, oh. and I think that kind of showed, uh, that they, they wanted me, but they didn't really know what to do with me. And, um, mm-hmm. so they, I was kind of just something that they were keeping in their pocket. And, um, <laughs> over the six years that I worked there, um, I just kind of kept figuring out what I could do and they were seeing, you know, all the things that I could do. And, uh, that's why eventually I started wearing so many hats there was, um, I, I could do everything fairly well. Was that something common at that, that smaller agency that everybody had to wear a lot of hats? Or was that unique to you and how you grew within your time spent there? It was somewhat unique to me. Like we did definitely have people there that were hired specifically for one job. Like we had web developers there who would never touch, you know, design jobs or anything like that. Um, but I would say there were three or four um, core designers there and they definitely had to wear the most hats there. Um, I, I was like the only one there that knew how to do any sort of animation or motion graphics. So pretty much everything 
if we needed that came to me. Um, we had a video department at once that was basically just one guy. Um, was that something that you taught yourself or did you learn that while you're in school? Um, the, the, motion. the motion graphics, uh, actually how that came up was, um, we, whenever we would do commercials or, uh, video spots or anything like that, I would have to do illustrated, uh, storyboards if they were being animated. We had a, we had a 3d animation team that was over in the Ukraine and, um, they, couldn't necessarily do like 2D animation, like After Effects animation, but they would do like Maya and all the 3D stuff. But um, they would always want me to do storyboards first to um, one, show the client, and then two, give to the people over in the UK um, so that they would know what to animate. But there was a huge language barrier there. So um, mm. even, you know, giving them the most detailed storyboard that we I could they would still get things wrong sometimes. So I eventually just kind of took it upon myself to learn how to animate the storyboards to kind of give them a better sense of the timing and stuff like that. And eventually, you know, I'd learned enough of the basics that my boss was just kind of like, we've got this commercial that we need to do for um, this bank. Um, do you want to give it a shot animating it? And uh, I illustrated the whole thing and I animated the whole thing. And that was really my first like major job. And it took me forever because I was really learning everything that I needed to do on this one job. And, uh, but it, it came out nice enough that they aired it. <laughs> so what kind of, uh, what program were you using to, to do this animation? After effects. As after effects. Yeah. And like, what kind of, like what, what kind of images were being used for this commercial, this first commercial that you did? So the concept of this commercial was you were following this uh, car from like a bird's eye view overhead shot. And oh, um, wow. you were following it, like driving around the city. And as it's driving, um, some like animated text supers are popping up behind it. It was all for like getting an auto car loan through this bank. And so mm -hmm. we just wanted, you know, the a shot of this car, um, just driving through the city and, uh, popping up all the pertinent information as it was driving. And uh, so like I had to learn how to kind of fake this 3D world with 2D illustrations. And um, mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, that was kind of a trip. But um, do, you, do you still have the, the real? Uh, I do somewhere. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'd i have to look it up. But I, I tried to keep as many, many things as I could from that from that. We'll have to use that for our Instagram post for this episode. <laughs> yeah, we'll pretend it's a sponsor for the, the podcast. Okay, I'm sure it's on YouTube <laughs> <Yeah>. somewhere. <laughs> um, so I want to kind of jump, switch gears here. You, I know that I found you through Instagram, um, and I'm sure that at, by this point you've received work from Instagram. Um, how has like the advent of social media and the growth of social media affected the way you get work? So I get probably 90% of my work from uh, Behance. And okay. um, I'd say the rest I get from Dribbble. And honestly, I don't really get a whole lot from Instagram. I do get commission requests, but I don't really take those anymore. Um, uh -huh. Because uh, most of the people that are asking for them are like, you know, high school, early college people that want me to draw their original character. And uh, yeah. I just... That's I don't terrible. really, yeah, I don't really have the, I'd love to do it for him, but I don't really have the time for how much they could probably afford to spend. Like I kind of have a base 
illustration price now and doing an original character for that is a little pricey so for seven dollars <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like oh gosh <laughs> um i mean for for that sort of stuff i got i guess it's got to be a little bit flattering especially if they're younger but yeah i totally get where you're coming from exhausting yeah so yeah. i i hate to turn them down anymore but uh i just i can't do them anymore yeah. but um yeah I, I i was actually really against getting an instagram for the longest time because i i just i kind of have this internal hatred for social media um <laughs> uh, i just i kind of don't like what it's doing to our society in some ways but um it's it's good for a lot of other things i've i've really come to cherish this art community that i've discovered on instagram there's just so much yeah and i mean that's how I met uh, your buddy Cole. Yeah. Um, I've met you through there too. Um, yeah, I'd been a fan of your work for a while, like I said. And uh, I mean, if I were to put a percentage down, I'd say maybe 50% or more of your posts are somewhat related to Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah, I go through through weird phases where I, I, I get really attached to a property. And like for the longest time, it was all Ninja Turtles and um, I've just been on a really, which I'm also fine yeah. with. <laughs> I've just been on a really big Power Rangers kick lately, and uh, it, it, well, I'm sure with uh, even though I mean we can say what you will about the movie, uh, even I wasn't a big fan of it, but just the fact that it's kind of made a resurgence yeah. has put it on the, you know, the top of your mind. Yeah, like uh, the movie is what it is, but. <laughs> it's it's brought about this yeah like you said a resurgence like i'm going to walmart and seeing you know new toys for the original series and like i'm buying those up like nothing and, <laughs> and i'm so did you guys watch the series were you was that around your age oh yeah I, oh, totally. I used to watch it like at our babysitter's house and it, <laughs> it was like a daily daily thing yeah oh so that was another show that they had a daily where you could watch like a full story arc yeah. uh, over the course of a week. Um, yeah, I think for me at least, my first love was probably Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. shortly followed by the Power Rangers in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> so you said that primarily nowadays you work digitally or almost all on your iPad and then will um, transfer that to your Cintiq and your desktop. Mm-hmm. Is that, would you consider that to be your? like your preference and how you prepare or you, I'm sorry, how you work. Is that your favorite medium to work digitally? And I'm assuming uh, you're working in Photoshop. Is that correct? Yeah. Primarily um, just Photoshop. I, I actually really dislike working in illustrator cause it just takes forever to do anything. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I primar- primarily work in Photoshop. Um, as, more recently, I've just kind of been making myself draw little sketches in my sketchbook using, you know, pen and marker just to kind of keep mm-hmm. myself in the traditional world. Um, because if I don't, then I'm 100% digital. And while I can do a lot more things in Photoshop and get a lot more like effects and make things look, you know, like they are ripped straight from an anime cell or something <laughs> like that. Um <laughs> you kind of lose that ability to just kind of hold something physically and say, I did this on my my sketchbook. And that's something that I don't think you can ever get with a digital illustration. 
So I, I, I try to keep myself in both worlds. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd say like 95% of my stuff is digital now. Um, I have a question for you though, Mike, in regards to just process and dealing with clients mm-hmm. on illustration pieces like this. Yeah. I know that I was pretty, I mean, I like to think that I was pretty easy going with this whole thing and just gave you, you know, free reins on this. Yeah, definitely. Do you like with more strict clients, do you like to keep your work a little bit looser in case they do have some feedback that is going to alter a lot of what you've done? Do you try and make it so that it's easy to go back and edit if necessary? Yeah, like my biggest pet peeve is just I hate to waste time. So like it's so hard for me to like do a full illustration, send it to a client and they're and they're just like, "Uh, oh, we don't like this, so could you change that?" Cuz I just don't feel like they completely understand the amount of work that goes into mm-hmm. like the investment of time and energy that goes into creating the initial illustration, but then having to go back and redo it and put in that same amount of love and attention, I I, I think they kind of don't consider that. And uh, whether their revisions are valid or whether they're just personal taste, um, I, I just, I, I, yeah, in the beginning, like I try and give as much information as I can well, okay, I'll give like a really loose sketch in the beginning to say like, okay, this is kind of how it's going to lay out in the space depending on what they need it for. And then I'll give them a, a first initial sketch. And I'll be like, this is the time when, you know, you need to tell me if, you know, you don't want this person to be standing that certain way or they need to be wearing something more specific. And um, because once I get beyond this, it's a lot harder to change. And, um, so I, I try and make that pretty clear in the beginning after, you know, learning the hard way that you have to be that specific in the beginning. Yeah. So during uh, like the client asks and when they're describing the project to you, do you keep in mind what the final's going to be used for, uh, like in terms of your size, uh, of the print and how it's going to be printed? Do you keep those factors in mind as you're developing your piece? Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the first questions I always ask is, what is this going to be used for? Because, um, you know, sometimes I'll get asked by somebody to do an illustration that's just going to go on the web. And the resolution that I draw that at is completely different than somebody that may want to use it that's going on a billboard or, you know, on the side of a building or something like that. So, um yeah, and a lot of times people don't know that, you know, if once you have a finished image, you can't just res it up or res it down. It's going to be affected. Exactly. And I, and I need to know, like, what kind of material is it being used on? Like, I got option to do illustrations for um, an energy drink that was going on the cans, but they didn't necessarily tell me that it was going on the cans. So I was like, a you know, a full color process illustration isn't going to print very well on Mm -hmm. aluminum it needs to be like three or four colors max and yeah same goes for t-shirts i get asked to do a lot of t-shirts and it's just a lot easier to print screen print um uh like you know something that's got just flat colors that can be separated than it is to do something with a lot of gradients and stuff like that yeah yeah how much so, about printing do you know? Like I would imagine like with I work in primarily Illustrator and that's kind of like 
most clients and, and printers dreams because you could, you know, keep scaling the thing and, yeah. and, and, you know, lift things out very easily. But how much do you kind of have to know about printing when you're creating this? So you can know you can even educate the the client because they might have no idea going into this, like what's going to register and what's not. Yeah. Like, did, did you have that background? Um, I, I had a little bit of it from that Votec class because, you know, we actually had to it was a full service class. We, we started out in the, the computer lab making designs and then we learned how to take those to film in the photography section and make plates out of them and then actually put those plates on a printing press and run those through the printing press and then actually have a finished final product by it. Um, it, it you know, I probably would have learned a lot more if I had actually gone into that profession, but I, mm-hmm. I at least know enough based on the projects that I've been getting uh, for freelance, I can kind of, you know, give my two cents on, you know, the best way to do this illustration. Um, like specifically, I just had a girl ask me to do a, a, a t-shirt design and um, she was like, I want it to, you know, look like your anime illustrations. And I was like, well, can you tell me how you're having this printed? And she said, screen printed. And I was like, well, there's a lot of effects that I, I do in Photoshop that, <laughs> like, yeah, you cannot screen print. It's just not happening. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I, I had to let her know that if she wanted to have it illustrated like that, it's probably going to have to be a digital print process. So it, that that affects, you know, her cost output. and Absolutely, yeah. Her, her methods of, you know, getting it done. So um, in, in the end, um, it wound up being uh, she was going to have it digitally printed. So I got to do it the way she wanted it and everything worked out. But um, yeah. I, 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 you know, I did a logo design for a family member and uh, they had like a really kind of ugly logo that they just wanted me to kind of retool. And uh, I wound up giving them an, an EPS and an illustrator file, vector file. And I was like, you will not be able to open these because I know you don't have the programs to see these, <laughs> but this is what the printer is going to ask for if you get like banners printed right. or anything like that. And um, they had no idea what I was talking about. So. <laughs> so for a project like that, how do you get approval to them? Do you, are you showing them like JPEGs in the initial? Yeah. And then once they approve it, you'll give them a, an Illustrator EPS file? Yeah, see... That's been one of the hardest things for me to figure out the best way to do because sending things through email, it's like I can give you a low res, um, you know, JPEG or screenshot of the illustration. Um, but, you know, uh, a devious person could probably just take that and use it for what they're intending and not pay me. So it's yeah. like I'm technically giving you the product without being paid yet because, um, just personal preference, I tend to like to be paid after the project is done um, mm-hmm. because uh, just personal preference. And it, uh, it also kind of gives me an out if I can't do the project. I, I'm not in <laughs> possession of anything, so I don't necessarily have any ties to the project anymore. So um, yeah. I can kind of back out of it a little easier if they haven't given me money for it. Um, but... Uh, um, yeah, sorry, I, I kind of just spaced out for a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no worries. So, I mean, that's super beneficial for clients because I don't think the average person, no matter how creative they think they are, are aware of all these different ways that you can print a project. Mm-hmm. And the 
like how limited you can be depending on your printing process. So that's a huge plus for you, um, being able to educate the client like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a pain in the butt though, to have to, to do that. Cause it's like a lot of it is writing on you then to kind of tell them what they don't even know. They don't know. Like, yeah. And, and you know, but on the flip side, it can come back to bat you in the ass. If, if they come back and blame you for them not being able to print exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. I, I've, I've never specifically <laughs> had that happen, but I have had it to where they've come back and been disappointed that they can't print it. They're like, you know, I'm, I'm happy that I have this piece, um, but I'm not able to do what I want to with it. And there's actually been a case where um, I did a full Photoshop, uh, like, digital painting rendering of this client's mascot and you know they said they were going to have it digitally printed on shirts but then they wanted um like vinyl decals printed of it in (laughs) in like two colors and they were upset because they didn't understand why that wasn't working i was like well if you want that i've got to basically redo this in vector illustration and they wound up hiring me to do that but it was something that could have been avoided had they known you know, what they wanted to do with it in the beginning. I think a lot of people are still sort of, I mean, if you're not working with these programs or uh, in the industry, they tend to think you just sort of put it in the computer <laughs> and it comes out the other side. Oh, yeah. There's, yeah. there's yeah. definitely yeah. an illustrator button on the keyboard. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm more on the print production side of the world and I get handed stuff all the time that either I have to fix on my end or they're like, well, I already gave you the files. Just hit your print button. And it's like, oh, sorry, it doesn't really work that way. Yeah. And then they get upset if it doesn't look exactly how it was on their screen. Yeah. I mean, but that's a whole nother mess. Um, I know that. So, yeah, it sounds like you're super well versed in like everything creative, which is almost a rarity these days. Everybody kind of has their own little niche that they stick to. But mm-hmm. you're like. Not ne- not even a jack of all trades. You're like a master of all trades. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I like to know how to do a little bit of everything, and I've just that's just the nature of my last job. I just kind of had to do a little bit of everything. So whether I was good at it or not, I kind of had to teach myself to to help out and do my part of that you know small little company. And I know you say um, you teach your clients some things, and I noticed that you have some. YouTube tutorials is teaching something that you're ultimately interested in or do you just enjoy giving back to you know the art community as a whole yeah so I did those tutorials primarily because I would get asked a lot like basically any <laughs> and that's just an easy way to shut them up like <laughs> yeah. all right I made this link go uh, watch this video yeah uh, <laughs> I said it a little nicer than that but <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I would just get asked all the time, like how, you know, what brushes do you use in Photoshop? What, um, you know, how do you go about sketching out things first? And how do you color? And how do you get this glow effect that everybody wants to know how I do? And um, that's like my one trade secret that I haven't really wanted to give away, even though it's like one of the easiest. It's just a Photoshop filter. And, um, <laughs> and uh, but... Uh, yeah, so um, I actually did teach um, three classes at my uh, university that I graduated from. Um, between the time that I was transitioning from my first job into freelance, I was really worried about money. So I knew that I maybe kind of needed to get a, a kind of a side job just to make sure money was still coming in. So I started adjunct 
teaching. And uh, I, I taught um, Foundations of Design 1 and 2. And um, I loved it. I loved interacting with the students. I didn't necessarily like teaching those specific classes because those were classes that I did not take when I was in college. So I was kind of having to like simultaneously teach myself the stuff <laughs> that I was teaching the students. And they'd completely reconfigured the whole curriculum to where um, you basically had to take these intro classes before you could actually get into the design program. You kind of have, you have a portfolio review and um, mm-hmm. these were like the foundations classes that um, both graphic design and interior design students would take. So when I had interior design students in my class, they were asking me like, well, how does this necessarily apply to my major? And I was like, well, I really don't know because <laughs> I, I wasn't in your major and I didn't take these classes. So yeah. <laughs> that was the hard part. So it, I, I do definitely have an interest in teaching and it's something that I may actually do um, in the long run um, career wise. Um, I may go back, you know, maybe for my master's and, and, and try and get some sort of like uh, professor position as a, an illustration professor. Because um, I, I really do like that ability to kind of share what I know, because it's something that I definitely wish that I had back in high school and early college. And I, I, you know, I, I, I wish I had somebody that knew what to expect out in the world and, you know, what you can do with your talents and I would, I would love to tell people, you know, that you don't, nothing against art teachers, but you, you don't, that's not the only thing you can do with an art degree with art. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, growing up for me, there was like three options. One, like you said, being an art teacher, Mm -hmm. uh, being in animation Mm -hmm. or like a TV show Mm -hmm. to some extent, and then being like a fine artist when it's just some, yeah paint splattered on a wall (laughs) i thought those were the only three options and i mean it's nice to grow into this kind of art community and learn that there's so much more out there um but yeah i think you'd be a great mentor for some teachers you sound like a really i mean for some younger students you sound like you're really passionate and definitely knowledgeable are you familiar with i'm sure you are with skillshare yeah yeah yeah. i I was just gonna say that yeah, I think, I mean, take down your YouTube tutorials right now <laughs> and just put them up on Skillshare yeah. and it's easy money right there. Yeah. You can already take what you've already done and just put that on a Skillshare class. Yeah, I probably, I've, I've like attempted to start a class like three or four times and I... Dude, I, you already have your class done, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. Those three tutorials, I've watched them a couple of times. Yeah. I've never attempted to utilize that knowledge, but... <laughs> I mean, there's enough in there for a class for sure. Yeah. I, I, Especially I now, I don't know if you uh, like if you've ever participated in a Skillshare class, but the way that it initially started, it was like a really, really in-depth um, course mm-hmm. where you sit down and it's like six one hour s- sessions or lessons. Oh, wow. And then like you put together all that knowledge into one specific project. Yeah. And now it's, they've flipped it where it's like bite-sized tutorials. Yeah. I, so, I took a character design uh, class, I think with, um, I always say his last name wrong, but Matt Kauf, 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 Kaufman. Yeah. Um, yeah. I took one of his classes. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I think I'm enrolled with his, one of his too. Yeah. I actually didn't finish it, but um, you know, someday I might. <laughs> 
Yeah, but so like how it started with that one was really, really long, which is probably why you didn't finish. But now they're making it really bite-sized, which would be great for the content that you already you already have. So, so I don't know awesome. much about Skillshare. Is it is it pre-recorded stuff that you're watching and, and learning like the same thing everyone's getting or is it a live thing? Kind of. So again, it's shifted since its creation, but in the beginning... It was recorded video, but the instructors were encouraged to be available to interact. The, yeah. So yeah. you could they would have like, you know, air quotes office hours where they'll be on live for an hour or two where you can ask direct questions via Skype or something. Um, and then it's now it's just turned into videos that exist online. Hmm. Yeah, I think that'd be you should be able to do something like that because I'm looking through your Instagram as we're talking. So that's why there's these patches where I am absolutely (laughs) engaged in your your, (laughs) No, but um, like you did this whole sketchbook series with like the orange, Uh like the orange, black and white pages. Like, can you talk a little bit about that? Like what like is that an overall project that you sort of assigned yourself or was that for something? No, um, every year uh, there's a on Instagram, actually. there's something called Inktober. Uh, yep. And um, I've always, I've never been able to finish one, but I always tell myself that I'm going to finish one every year. And I think this was probably as far as I've ever gotten. Um, but mm-hmm. I really wanted this year to kind of have like an aesthetic. And, um, you know, I thought uh, Halloween, October time, orange and black. So it was kind of a challenge to, you know, not only do these ink drawings, but, render them out using only two colors yeah they're, it's amazing work like uh, how long would you say one of these pages took you i mean obviously there's different levels of detail mm-hmm. like maybe mojo jojo doesn't take as long right. as some of these other ones yeah. but, but about how long would you spend on this um i would say uh, no more than four or five hours um an average i'd say between two and three um because i would do them I'd probably start them around 10 o'clock at night and then by like 1 a.m. I'm just a zombie. So um, <laughs> um, it's probably not the most creative time of the yeah. day. Um, so, yeah, I was trying to do one every night. And uh, the great thing about that project specifically is before I started doing that, I really wasn't drawing. Um, I, I wasn't mm. drawing every day um, by any means. And so this really like made my made me sit down do an illustration from start to finish and I could uh-huh. see this progression from the first drawing to where I finished, where I, where I finally left off and I could, you know, see myself getting back in the groove and getting back into practice and getting better. And like my yeah. line quality was improving. I was making better decisions and it just really drove home the absolute need for me to draw every day not just you know as a creative outlet but just to stay relevant and stay good at what i'm doing Mm -hmm. yeah so how busy are you these days with uh, freelance when you're not at your your day job so um i always tell myself the last project that i'm doing is the last project that i'm doing and um (laughs) it's never quite worked out so like right now i'm actually um i have a friend that works for um He's a graphic designer at the uh, headquarters for the Oklahoma City um, Thunder basketball team, mm-hmm. and they are needing some illustrations of their ma- their Rumble Bison mascot. They have like one vector illustration that is getting really played out. So they contracted me to do um, 
just a new library of like seven more illustrations that they can use. And so like one illustration will probably take me um, a good three or four nights um, to do because I'm having to do it all in Illustrator. And like I said, I don't like Illustrator because it takes me like twice <laughs> as long to do anything. Right, um, right. But the results are a lot better. It's a lot cleaner. It's definitely a lot more usable for a uh, an NBA mascot illustration. And um, But uh, so I've been working on that for, I would say, that at least the past month. Um, that's been taking up most of my nights. Um, I took about a week or two off to do the Power Rangers illustration. Um, but I'll, 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 I'll usually have like one bigger freelance job at a time. Um, earlier this year, we just kind of needed some extra money. So I took on way more than I should have. And I was doing mm-hmm. some character designs. I was doing um, some illustrations for an animated um uh, like teaser trailer for this kind of regular client that I've had. Um, uh-huh. and then I was, I had just started the, the rumble illustrations. And so I, I was, I was a little overloaded, um, in conjunction with how busy I was at my day job. Right. And then, you know, adding to that, spending some family time and I, I was, I was kind of dead there for a little, for a little yeah. while. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Then, yeah, yeah, your sketchbook looks fantastic, though. I mean, I these things all look so time-consuming. I'm amazed you you have the time to do these elaborate uh, sketches. Well, thank you, I appreciate that. Um, I've I've kind of had to like make myself be fast at things. Like yep. for one thing, I don't necessarily have a lot of patience. Um, <laughs> um, I always tell my wife like my wife loves video games, and it's like she says she could never envision herself marrying somebody that doesn't play video games it's like i just don't have patience to sit down and play a video game for hours and, right. and it's yeah. kind of the same way with illustration like i want to see the final product because that's kind of Quickly. why i'm doing it yeah so I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll try and find the fastest most convenient ways to do the illustrations and digital has definitely um expediated that um you know mm-hmm. I, I, I do things a lot faster on on in photoshop than i can traditionally yeah oh definitely yeah. i mean when you're when you're working like th- and i see that there's a captain planet one in here actually yeah. so it's funny that we, <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned him at the top of the show yeah i think he's yeah, gonna be my next amazing. obsession once i'm over the power rangers uh, Captain oh, man, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. We might have to have you back for another print or something. Oh, totally. Captain Planet is definitely uh, on Squared Co's future product list for sure. That is awesome. Boy, I am, I am a whole generation behind you guys because <laughs> I, I remember when that came out. Wasn't Tom Cruise uh, connected with that or something originally with, with the? Concept? I don't think so. Oh, I'm not sure. Not, not to my knowledge. That's a different Captain Planet you're thinking. Oh of. no, I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna look it up. There. I was actually I maybe. Seeing, Who knows? Like, it's crazy. It's all blue. I was looking recently <laughs> at who owns the rights to Captain Planet because I was actually gonna try and reach out to them and be like, hey. I, let I, me do I, something. Let, yeah, let me uh, let me do a comic book for Captain America or Captain Planet. I want to like be part of the reboot of Captain Planet. Um, it's funny actually that you mentioned that you worked for Boom Comics because uh-huh. um, within the past two years, I was actually um, contacted by them 
to do test pages yeah. for two of their newest properties. And one of them was actually their Power Rangers comic that is out right now. Um, oh, man. At, Were you able to do any work for them? Or Well, I, uh, the second one that they asked me to do was for the new um, WWE comic book that they've got out. And it came uh-huh. down between me and like two other people. And they wound up picking um, one of those two other people. But the Power Ranger one, I wasn't even able to finish my test pages because it was right around the time my son was about to be born. Um, I had just started my new job. And um, oh, man. We, we had just gotten married, too. So it was like too many life changes were happening at that moment. So... Um, uh, yeah, you know it's it's funny you say that because I think the the cover for number one, which was like a close up of the, each character holding their helmet, yeah. uh, there was like six versions of the number one comic uh-huh. that looks really similar to something that you could do totally. So they probably just found you know the closest thing <laughs> to Mike Anderson. I'd love to think that. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you you would have been an awesome fit for that. I would have loved to see uh, Mike Anderson Power Rangers comic oh, for sure. It, it would have been a dream come true, and it kills me to this day that I backed out of it. But I I think just mentally at the time I couldn't keep up with it, and I was like, I can barely do these two test pages. There's no way I can do twenty pages in a month. Uh so did you ever find out who did the or who owns the rights to Captain Planet? Did you reach out to anybody? Uh, I haven't. Uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't reached out, um, but I think they're actually owned by some sort of like, um, like wildlife preservation company. Yep. Yeah, because oh, he was really? like a public service kind of yes. thing. Like I thought was it, I thought I want to say like TB whoever owns TBS owns and like turner something yeah i think they, i don't know i thought they may have bought maybe, the rights to him oh man that's interesting. i remember when it came out like it was supposed to be this sort of like like educational thing but it's it's sort of hidden in this cartoon that kids would think were really cool and it obviously worked <laughs> for you guys so you got, well you got your <laughs> I, i'm not necessarily the most green friendly individual <laughs> but uh captain planet's awesome yeah. so i actually i mean i'm this is so arguably maybe one of the more nerdy things I've done in my life. But when I was in high school, I was a part of a, this like video production class. We put on like a, a weekly TV show for the school where we basically could like just explore any sort of um, show or skit. It was like a high school sketch comedy show almost. But we did a Captain Planet mockumentary as one of our projects. It was like oh, man. my favorite thing ever. <laughs> and I had, I mean, right now I have long hair and a beard. But in high school, I had the same look, just minus the beard. So they casted me as Mati. Um, yes. So I was Hart. <laughs> which is the worst uh, planet tier for sure. <laughs> and we didn't have any... Um, african-american or black kids in our class so kwame was this like super white dude (laughs) (laughs) and yeah and we didn't have any redheads either so we had like some light-haired um kid play i think wheeler was fire and we just spray painted his hair orange (laughs) and we literally we got the you know like the colored hairspray Uh we got the blue colored hairspray and this is probably 
terrible for your health. <laughs> we spray painted our friend who was Captain Planet with blue oh hairspray. <laughs> his skin, like his entire body. Because oh he has, I don't know if you remember his costume, Jared. He's got like a, a, like a crop top where it only covers his chest. Yeah. And his like midriff is shown, and he's got like shorty shorts on. Captain, this is so, who? Who's this? Cap- Captain Planet. Captain Planet. So my friend who played Captain Planet, we like sprayed down his whole body blue with this colored hairspray. Oh my gosh. Oh, you know, I know. I'm reading about it on Wikipedia right now because I know nothing about what you guys are talking about here. It sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you re- if you take an honest look back at some of the 80s and 90s cartoons, they probably don't hold up. It's just like such a strong nostalgia yeah. that's been embedded in a lot of us, which is why we we still love it and hold it dear today. Yeah. Like, but, but yeah. they got some big people to do voices and stuff. It looks like like Whoopi Goldberg was a voice on there, and yeah, she was like the the spirit lady. I forget her name, but she was like wasn't the, it like Gaia? Yeah. yeah, she she's like she was the Zordon yeah. of, of <laughs> Captain Planet. Yeah. Okay, so I shouldn't. I, I'm looking at all this planet Captain Planet stuff, and the last thing I see here is in 2016, like oh, October. Please. It says they're talking about a movie. Come on, Le- Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, is teaming oh, with somebody for a Captain Planet movie, but I don't Dude. know. That's Maybe it's been derailed. He's Featuring old. the artwork of Mike Anderson. <laughs> there you oh, go. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Let's just let's start a hashtag on Instagram and make this happen. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> hey, you know. Okay. So I I don't mean to go off topic, but I wanted to ask about this before before we let him go. Uh, when you said you liked using Behance, like what is the advantages of using that? I know you say you got a lot of your work from that site. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, it's one that I'm not real familiar with. I've, I've seen a lot of people's work on there, but I've never used it myself. What is the sort of advantage, do you think, that comes with using that particular platform? So compared to other sites like Dribbble or DeviantArt or, um, you know, just even a personal website, what's great... Ugh, of, DeviantArt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's great about Behance is it's kind of like Tumblr um, in the sense that when you post something to your profile, um, everybody that logs on that follows you has, um, when they first open up Behance, they have like a, a, a timeline of everything that's been posted by the people that they follow. So they'll see your um, project in their timeline, the first thing they see when they open up their, their, their browser uh, on Behance. But then when, oh, okay. when they like it, that is then put into the browser and the timeline of all of the people that follow them. So ah. it is like a, a complete just onslaught so of, of, of... It's like a professional Facebook sans algorithms. Exactly. Got Interesting. it. Interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm looking through your... Like, how long were you on, on this site? I'm looking at your other Captain Plan. I... I I'm sorry I tease Captain Planet. I can tell from this that you you really like Captain Planet. So. Just you got to check out the theme song. It's oh, the greatest. It's, it's That'll like be the, the closing music. 90, the outro. It's like ninety percent of their budget went into the intro animation and song. Um, I, I'm all about the outro, but sorry, yeah, go on. Yeah, I, it says I've been a member since um, October uh, 2010. So for about seven mm. years, I've been kind of building up this uh, portfolio. 
Oh, that's interesting. Is that something like Dribble where you have to get an invite, or can anybody just no, create a yeah, profile? Anybody can create one, and I that's the number one place that I recommend to people when when building a. Because I actually my my personal website is hosted through Behance, so anything that I mm. post to Behance will automatically show up on my website. But I can I can customize it. I can take it down if I don't want something to show up there. Um, but mm. like. I am like, so like people can search for people by their region. So if somebody types in Oklahoma City, I think I'm like one of, if not the first person that pops up because I have so many um, followers and project mm-hmm. views. Because I So they can find local talent yeah. too for projects. Yeah. That's really interesting. I'll have to check out Behance. It sounds, I mean, I kind of like, Jared, it sounds like I was... Familiar with its existence, but I didn't really understand what it was and what it did. Yeah, and I've kind of noticed a correlation between um, if I'm not drawing anything and I'm not posting anything, I don't get freelance offers. But if I try, if I post something like at least once a week, then I start to get an influx of freelance offers, and it, it, it I believe that 100% that it correlates to, you know, just how on top of posting and just being out there and being visible that you are. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think it's the good and the bad of it, right? Like, you know, when you're being lazy, that it's actually affecting uh-huh. something like the, that it makes a difference. But um, yeah, I, I've noticed the same thing too. And it makes you a little, I don't know, sometimes it's hard to, you just want to get something up, Yeah. There, you know, like you just want to post anything just to have new stuff in the feed and that can be sort of a blessing and a curse too. But you know, you've, you've rounded out like your Instagram with a lot of absolutely adorable baby pictures <laughs> thank you so. yeah i didn't want to be one of those parents but oh how can you not yeah, like look at this late. this ninja turtle costume is that's adorable yeah he came out a lot cuter than i expected so <laughs> <laughs> how old is oh. he he uh is t- uh, 15 months this week actually oh, wow. so before we let you go i have a couple more questions um just a generic one and i don't know how elaborate you want to get on this, but what do you think the future holds for you? Like, I know you kind of shied away from the freelance world. Um, Mm -hmm. Is there a specific job that you're after? You kind of mentioned comic books. Uh, I know you just hit your two year anniversary for your new agency job. Yeah. Teaching. Yeah. Teaching. What are like, what's the goal, the ultimate goal and end game? It, for for Mike Anderson. So in a perfect world, I would be just doing freelance. Uh, if I could maintain steady client work, um, and you know make relatively close to what I'm making at my agency job, then I would do that in a heartbeat. Um, I don't feel like that's necessarily realistic sometimes um, because I think one of the hardest things for freelance illustrators is that it's really hard to get retainer clients whereas Mm -hmm. you know traditional graphic designers that's kind of their bread and butter sometimes is but illustrators you know you're having to like get new clients every month and it's a new project every month which can be exciting but scary at the same time because you don't know if they're coming next month and um yeah so that that's right now why i shy away from freelance if it was just me then yeah but if I didn't have a family to support, um, I would, I would be doing that in a heartbeat. But, um, I, I, like I said, I really love, um, the idea of teaching. So going back for my master's in illustration and then possibly doing, um, 
uh, uh, teaching as a professor at my college and then maybe doing freelance on the side because part of the requirements of being a professor is you have to still kind of be working. So mm-hmm. um, I'd have to, you know, I would have to be doing freelance to keep myself employed there. Yeah. Um, but um, I actually uh, just applied for a character design position at Nickelodeon, um, the new Ninja Turtles um, television show. They, they they posted a job application online um, for that, and I just I jumped on it. I spent like four hours getting a portfolio ready to send them. And well, don't share this interview podcast with your coworkers then. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I won't tell anybody to listen, but, except for my. So friends. was that like a, was that an animation test or just showing work? Um, so I applied for character design. So I just sent in a bunch of my, um, you know, original mm-hmm. concept. Luckily, I did this thing a couple of years ago called Mutant Mondays, where every week I would come up with a new character that was kind of specifically based off of the character designs of Ninja Turtles and Street Sharks. And so Mm -hmm. I felt like those would be right up their alley of, you know, showcasing what I could do coming up with original character designs. So I sent that in that, that was last week. I, you know, I I obviously don't expect to hear anything super quickly. Um, so I don't, I don't know the status of that, but, um, is that that like you would end up in California? See, that's New York, maybe isn't? Aren't they in New York? That's the kicker. It isn't. It is in California, and I, Mm. if I did get the position, I don't know one hundred percent if I would move. It's it's definitely a conversation that I'd have to have with my wife because, you know, we just kind of settled into where we're at here in Oklahoma City. Oh man, but it's Ninja Turtles. I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm and sure gonna... housing isn't too much more expensive in California than it is in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> you could come hang out with me and Jerry. Yeah, you guys there have you an go. extra yeah. room that I could rent for free. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. It got silent after that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, t- to, to answer your question, I, w- I would love to just be doing freelance you know i'm i love the job that i have now um but i i don't necessarily see myself doing it forever because i i can see technology advancing in my specific career so much within the next you know five to ten years and i don't know if i'm super passionate about specifically what i'm doing um because you know i'm i want to be doing comics and i want to be doing um cartoons and stuff like that I, I don't necessarily want to be a motion graphics designer for when i'm 50 you know well that's interesting though too because i think and sometimes uh, people will probably disagree with this but uh working freelance 100 can be terribly overrated like there are some benefits you're your own boss you make your own hours blah 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 but there is a huge pressure to to keep the work flowing mm-hmm. uh and and often taking jobs you don't want to because you need to keep that money rolling in. So I find like I'm 100% freelance at this point, but it still works out to be the same split. Like I have to take on these jobs that pay the bills from nine to five. And then when I'm done with that, then I'll start working on the, the fun stuff or the extra stuff. So I don't know, like if you have that good day job that's paying the bills and especially like benefits and when you have a family, like yeah. I, I think you can't. Yeah, that's a, that's valuable to have. Yeah, I, I heard somewhere the term golden handcuffs and I completely yeah. agree with that like <laughs> I, I just i would be stupid to leave my job right now like I, I have it way too good there even though it's not what i'm passionate about i still have fun doing it um and and i'm doing just fine doing freelance at night um but man 
I sometimes I think back to when I was doing freelance and I was so just like I was a slob like I would wake up at <laughs> noon I wouldn't technically start working probably until like 5 30 in the afternoon and this is this was before like my girlfriend or my wife lived with me so like it was just me in my house and I mean days without showering or talking to people and yeah that's why I said I didn't want to do video tonight yeah. <laughs> I'm a wreck yeah. so it, it's it's a good thing that I've I've had to reintegrate myself into society but um, I don't know what I would do having a family now, having that kind of freedom. Oh, yeah. That, I, you'd play with your kid all day and then still work from yeah. midnight to three or something. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and one more question before we go, and this may turn out to be a really long discussion, <laughs> but I think you share two loves, like I mentioned earlier, Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles. Uh, what <laughs> Jared doesn't like it, but... <laughs> If you had to pick one, Power Rangers or Ninja Turtles? Oh gosh, don't do it's like Sophie's choice. Or, or <laughs> and okay, well let's let's before you answer with just one, maybe tell us a little bit about why you like one versus the other, or what kind of drew you to to either, I guess. Okay, so for me, the the Ninja Turtles came out first, uh-huh. so that mean just I'll I'll let you go ahead and answer. Well. I guess it's not that difficult. I would definitely say Ninja Turtles because <laughs> um, yeah. that was definitely my first love as well. Um, and I think one of the greatest things about Ninja Turtles is just the unrestrained creativity of it, especially with that first series, like the toys that came out and the character designs and just the I mean, the stories weren't necessarily anything all that great, but, you know, we were five and six years old, so we didn't really care. <laughs> but, like, I can just remember wanting to draw all of all of those toys and, like, the, the Mutant Mondays thing that I did was specifically um, inspired by all of those characters and all those character designs because I wanted to recreate and create my own versions of, you know, that type of creativity. And Power Rangers is just something that I enjoyed watching as a kid and I think um I've heard somebody else say this before it was really hard to get anything Power Rangers related when you were younger like toys weren't super available so now that there's kind of this resurgence I think it's just kind of nostalgia overload so I'm just kind of getting back into it and I can finally buy all those toys that I couldn't get when I was younger and so I, I <laughs> <Yeah>. think that <laughs> I, I think they may be under you know undersold the popularity that power rangers would have when it first came out because mm-hmm. i don't rem- i think it was like the eight or ten inch figures when they first came out it was like you couldn't find them in any stores i made my mom go to like all the nearby targets and all that they had left were the putties yeah. and like nobody wants a putty i think finally after like the third or fourth target i was able to get like the pink ranger and for like a five or six year old boy or you know however old we were when it came out like that's the worst ranger to have (laughs) but yeah but i had to have it just because it was the only one that was available yeah exactly i I remember the the early toys that were kind of crappy weren't they oh yeah pretty like like they had the swords and stuff yeah i remember Um, them being real chintzy kind of toys they were at least for like and the smaller ones they all had the same body type, regardless if they were male <laughs> or female. It was just like a big, blocky um, body with uh, different colors on it. Mm. But uh, yeah, 
So for um, Ninja Turtles, though, are you guys talking about the cartoon? Is that what, not the comic book? I don't imagine like the original comic book that came for out. for, for Ninja, Ninja Turtles? Turtles. Yeah. So for me, and I'm sure it was like this for you too, Mike. I fell in love with the the cartoon show, and then subsequently the toys. Exactly. Um, I didn't yeah. even know it was a comic book until a lot later in life. <laughs> Yeah, me too. See, that's funny. I remember the comic book coming out and then thinking that the cartoon was kind of a watered down version of what that comic book was because the comic book was pretty cool and like original when it, it first came out. It was a little bit darker. I yeah. Think, yeah. Oh, too, right? much darker. Yeah. yeah. So it, the, the cartoon to me always seemed like a, a kid's version of it. But um, yeah, I didn't know much about them. I just I remember seeing that first live action film and, and I only went to see that because I I was sort of fascinated by those Muppet heads that they had, you know, and the way the mouth moved and everything. They looked they looked really great because these. I, I think it was done. It was a Jim Henson yeah, creature yeah. feature. They, but yeah. those faces moved really well, and and I thought those faces were, well, they were cuter than I think the the more recent, uh, oh, digital yeah. versions. My wife hates this new these new ninja. <laughs> she said they look like Shrek with turtle shells and. <laughs> oh yeah i don't i don't not, i do not like the look or aesthetic of the new ones at all yeah i i grew to like them i i think the very first time i saw them i was like holy crap that's that's frightening but um <laughs> i i think i i, I kind of just you know allowed myself to accept it for what it was but i'm glad that they're not making any more of them oh they're, oh, they're not no i think they're done yeah the, the, two? The, the, the two that came out um i i the second one, even though it was actually a lot better than the first, didn't do very well at the box mm. office. So I, I think yeah. when when they eventually do do another Ninja Turtle movie, it's going to be rebooted. Well, I've, I've heard I only saw actually I honestly I couldn't sit through the whole first one. I hated it <laughs> that much. So I didn't even give the second one a chance. But I heard that the second one was actually a lot closer to you know, the eighties versions of the turtles. It is and a lot more enjoyable. It is as close to a live action version of that cartoon that you will probably ever get. Like Rock City and Bebop are awesome in it. They're the best part of the movie. And um ex- I'll, I'll have to give it a, a try. Yeah. Did it make you cry? Was there like a, an emotional <laughs> part of it or anything? Like <laughs> No, um I will say to their credit, they did kind of tweak the designs of the turtles so they're a little more streamlined they don't have so much stuff hanging off of them and it Mm -hmm. seems like they kind of softened their features a little bit which i appreciate um and it was it was a lot more cartoony than the first one Mm. now i'll have to give that one uh another try i guess um so before we, we sign off for today, I just want to give a big thank you to you, Mike. Thank you so much. Um, we'll have to have you back again on the show in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, more, I'd love to see more Disney work from you. I got to always bring it back around to Disney. but <laughs> I, I see a few of them in here and I'd love yeah. to see more of that. But yeah, fantastic work. Thank you very much. Thank you for asking me to do both podcast and the, and the print. Yeah, no, um, totally. Um, before well, we let you go... Uh, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? Sure. I, um, I'm most uh, active on Instagram. That's where I kind of update, you know, anything that I draw. I, I'll usually post to Instagram. Um, and uh, you can find me 
pretty much anywhere. Twitter, Instagram, at Michael Octopus. It's M-I-K-U-L-O-C-T-O-P-U-S. Well, and since um, you I'm didn't sorry. give us the easiest to spell <laughs> handle, we'll have all the links to Mike's stuff in the show notes for this episode. So if you didn't catch that yeah. or you're lazy, just click on his links in the show notes. That yeah. is not how I was pronouncing it when I was reading that. <laughs> it, it was not the best choice for me. <laughs> like, I thought it was really cool a few years ago when I created it. And I was like, yeah, that's that's unique. That's, <laughs> that's going to get me places. And it's one of the bigger regrets that I you know, have. Of my no, it, make, it makes sense. I don't know why I didn't put it. I think because I'm Japanese, I was trying to make it all like, I was like, Miku? Is that Miku? <laughs> No, it, it all started like I used to work with a guy. I, I worked at a grocery store and we both had the same first and middle name. And for some reason, in order to tell us apart, people would spell my name, M-I-K-U-L, and spell his name the correct way. Mm. I don't know why, but that's just where I got <laughs> that's it. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, again, we'll have all the links to Mike and his work in our show notes. Um, but for now, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. I am Mark saying goodbye. Wind, water, heart, go planet! By your powers combined, I am Captain Planet! Saving our planet is the thing